1: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
0: My guest is Carlos Vivas, who during his near death experience was helped by God to survive. And today we're going to learn about it. Carlos, thank you for joining me and welcome.
1: Hello, Jeffrey. Good morning. Thank you, everyone, for watching this program. Thank you for inviting me, Jeffrey. And well, for. People that don't know know me, my name is Carlos Vivas. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and this is my story. So in the year 2015, um, I just wake up. It was a beautiful morning. I go to my living room, get on my sofa, turn the TV on, and then I start watching the news. And I see on the news like terrible news about a guy killing some kids in a school and then I get mad and I turn the TV off and I, I start saying to God, like, really, God, why these innocent people have to die? Why these innocent kids have to die? I need an answer. If you're real, you need to respond my answer. This is it for me. I cannot hold this anymore. I don't understand what is cancer. I don't understand what is wars around the world. What, I don't understand what good people why good people die soon, you know, and other bad people are still here. So I, I just need an explanation. So in that moment, my phone rings. I, I answered the phone. It was one of my best friends, George. So he said, like, Carlos, what are you doing this weekend? I said, like, why? Well, it's Memorial Day. My family is coming from out of town. And uh, if you want to come with us, we're going to Panama City Beach. So it's like five hours from Atlanta. I said, sure, let's go. So we planned the trip. We traveled to Panama City. And when we arrived to the free Beach, it was packed with people. Then we arrived to another one. It was packed. We ran to the third one and it was packed, too. So I said, guys, I don't know what to do. So I have an idea. I said, you know what? I've been coming here for more than 10 years and I know a place that I don't think is going to be too crowded. So let's go there. But Before go there, it's called uh, Shell Island. We need to go to a marina and get a boat and go to this island in the middle of the ocean. So we go to the marina that I always go, and when I arrived there, it was closed for renovation. Then I go to another marina, it was closed. I go to the third marina and it was closed too. And I said to my friends, you know what? I'm going to look at online to see if it's another marina. I don't know any other one. So I turned Google and I say, Hey Google, take me to another marina. Google said, You don't have permission to navigate on internet. I said, like, What? So I grabbed my other phone. I have that's my personal phone. I got my my work phone is an Apple, so I say, "Hey, Apple Siri, take me to another Marina." You don't have permission to navigate. It's like what? So I show my phones to everybody. So look, I'm this is crazy. This is two different companies, uh, and they are saying that we can I cannot go online. Anyways, is anybody of you can check your phone? So one of my friends checked, Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a park called San Andrew State Park. Let's go there. So sure. So we're getting out of the parking lot. And the GPS said, U-turn and go back. So I'm trying to go U-turn. And in that moment, I see a a car that is approaching really fast. And I was like, oh, my God, should I let him pass or should I go? But something inside of me says stay. So I stay. That car passed. As soon as the car passed, I did the U-turn. And then, like, five seconds later, I heard, like, a crash, a really loud crash behind me. Guess what? The car that was coming really fast in front of me have an accident because it was a traffic light. And he went through the traffic light and hit two more cars. I was like, Jesus Christ, that could be me, you know? So I was like, wow. Anyways, I started driving next to the ocean, going to San St. Andrew State Park, and then we hear a thunder, and then we see a lightning on the water. And everybody on the car said, like, Carlos, we should go back to Atlanta because it's getting, the weather is getting bad. I said, no, this is Florida, you know, like one, in 20 minutes, it's gonna be sunny again, you know. And 20 minutes later, it's gonna be raining. So it's gonna change. Anyways, we arrive to this understate Park. Get the tickets. Eight dollars to get in. We arrive to a big parking lot. Then we get out. There is an information office. We get inside. Get our tickets. Each ticket is like 1995. We go into a shuttle bus. When we are boarding the shuttle bus, me and my friends. Uh, One of my friends have a surgery, a stomach surgery. And he's like, Carlos, I need to go to the bathroom here because I don't know if in that island uh, they have bathrooms. okay, hurry up, go. So he go to the bathroom, all my friends and everybody that was online get inside of the bus, like 20, 30 people. And then five, 10 minutes pass and he don't show up. So I tell his dad, could you go to the bathroom and check on him? He go to the bathroom to find out his son was, somebody put a lock on the door. So he was tramping inside of the bathroom. And he was screaming for help, like, hey, let me out of here. So we have to get the janitor and get it out of there. I'm just telling you this just to let you know everything that was happening to stop me to do not go there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't superstitious until that day. From that day on, if I see a red flag, I just listen and I don't go further, you know. So what we did was we get the shuttle bus and we go to the marina. From the marina, we get into the boat. The day start opening again blue skies blue water beautiful we're going to the to the boat 25 30 minutes later we arrive to the island we go to the bayside when we arrived to the bayside it was packed with people a lot of families because it was Memorial Day so I tell the driver excuse me sir could you take us to the other side of the island and say so no our boat is from the national park and we take you to the safest place for us and it's right here if you want to go to the other side you're on your own okay, cool. So we get out of the boat. And I said to my friends, you know what, let's go to the other side. Let's walk to the other side. That's open ocean. So we start walking. And when I'm half of the way to go to the other side, imagine this island is like a circle. So when half of the way, there is a guy with five kids and the guys stopped me and said, excuse me, sir, excuse me. I said, yes. Yeah. What's up? I said, where do you think you're going? I said, I'm going to the other side of the island. So like, why don't you see all the families are here? I said, like, yes, sir, but it's too packed. I want to see the ocean, you know? I said, well, be careful because it's very it's very dangerous. If I were you and your friends, I'd just stay here. I said, like, no, 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 no. I've been coming here for years, sir. Nothing is going to happen. Don't worry. So I didn't listen to that warning either, and I go to the other side. When we arrived to the other side, there was nobody there. I We started getting together and put our tent. When I start putting my tent together, the wind started blowing really hard. And the tent opened like a parachute. So for 45 minutes, we we're forcing this tent to go down until one of my friends said, Carlos, let's get some rocks and put it right here. So it was a pile of rocks on the side. And we grab rocks and put it in every corner. And we put the tent. So we stay there from 9 a.m. till 4 p.m. We put the chairs, we get some food, we drink, and we have a good time. Around 4 p.m., all my friends said, Carlos, the last boat leave at 5.30 uh, we want to walk around the island before we leave. So you're okay, guys, you go, but hurry up because you have to be here on time. So they leave me alone by myself. I'm watching the ocean. It's getting hot. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to jump into the water to get uh, refreshed. So I jumped into the water. Everything was fine. And out of the sudden, this uh, tide come under me. I didn't know what a tide was. I never heard of a tide or anything. So I didn't know what was happening. And the way that I explained to people that happened, if you saw the movie Finding Nemo, you can see a whirlpool of water grabbing all the fishes and taking far, far away. So this whirlpool of water, the riptide, grabbed me and pulled me far, far away. So when I finally pulled my head out of the water, I was like half a mile away from the islands. like, what in the world? How did I get here? But thanks that when I was a child, I was on a swimming team, I say, OK, I don't want to panic. I just want to swim back and everything's going to be fine. So I start swimming back, swimming back, swimming back. But then every time that I pulled my head out of the water, I was farther and farther and farther. It's like, What's going on? So I swim faster and faster and pull my head more farther. It's like, what? What I didn't know, I was in the center of this tie. So it doesn't matter how much I was fighting. It was like impossible for me to get out of there. After 30 minutes, I start getting cramps on my arms, on my legs. And I said to myself, you know what? This is it. I'm going to die right here. So in that moment, I said, you know what, God? I never in a million years thought that today is going to be my last day. But I just want to say thank you. Before you take me, I want to say thank you for my mom. Thank you for my dad. Thank you for my brothers, my sisters. Thank you for everything you gave me. And I'm sorry if I did something wrong. And as soon as I said that, I heard a voice behind me that said very, soft voice I said ask for help and I look back and I don't see anyone it's like what and then I heard again ask for help and then I said you're really here who's here I mean I've been here for over 30 minutes and I need your help I mean who are you come on show up nothing and then minutes later I heard the voice again I told you to ask for help I was like oh my god okay 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 so I started waving my hands help 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 because this boy is still insisting behind me. But for me, it was no way in the world I'm gonna get out of there, right? So when I'm waving my hands, at the end of the island, one of my friends get out of the group because he felt something was wrong. So he went to the tent, he didn't saw me there. He went to the beach, he didn't saw me at the beach. He went to the top of a hill and from the hill he saw me. So when he saw me, he started jumping, Carlos, I'm gonna call 911, hold on, hold on, hold on. But guess what? He didn't call 911. He went back to the tent, Grabbed some tubings, went back to the top of the hill, and I started dropping the tubings. He thought the t- tubings are going to magically fly where I was. <laughs> and another thing that happened to this guy, two years prior to this, he was swimming with another friend on a, on a lake here in Atlanta. It's very famous, called Lake Lanier Island. And it was 4th of July, I think it was. And he left the lake, but the guy is still swimming, his friend, and then he his friend died drowning. So when this was happening to me, he said like, oh my God, this is happening again. This is this time is no, he's not gonna die. So he was desperately, hold on, hold on, because the tubing didn't work. He said, I'll be back, I'll be back. So he went back to the other side of the island, grabbed everybody that was getting into the boat, bring like a lot of people. Then six guys jumped from the rocks and everybody was swimming my way to rescue me. And I said, God, thank you, thank you. They're gonna save me. And 10 minutes into people getting into me, Nobody could reach me. And then at that moment, we hear a thunder behind me. When I look back, the ocean start getting shocky, start getting dark with clouds. And then we see a lightning behind us. So like, oh, really? So in that moment that everything start getting bad behind me, all the people that's trying to help me turn around. And I say, OK, I mean, I don't blame them because I, they don't know me. They don't want to die for a God they don't know. So I say, OK, God, you know what? From this moment, I surrender. I don't want to fight anymore. You know, if it's my day, it's my day. So in that moment, I say surrender, do whatever you, you want. And in that moment, I always make a pause right here because I want to tell people how many times in your life you're fighting with your spouse, you're fighting fighting with your kids, with your job, with cancer, with divorce, with anything that you cannot hold anymore. And the only thing that you have to do is surrender, you know. And that's what I did in that moment. As soon as I surrendered, a huge wave came and crushed me all the way into the ocean. When I was underwater, I opened my eyes and I see far, far away, a big shadow that's coming my way. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a shark. So I covered my face, just waiting for the bite. "Ah." And in that moment, this thing came, grabbed me by my stomach and pushed me all the way up. And as soon as it pushed me all the way up, and I get out of the water, I see that it's a huge dolphin. And when I see the dolphin, I couldn't believe it. So I grabbed the dolphin by the tail. I, I didn't have any any more energy on myself. So I grabbed the dolphin by the tail. I start crying right there. The dolphin didn't move. It was just static right there. Ten minutes later, a featured boat show up in front of me. And these guys start yelling at me like, hey, son, I can't save you, but I cannot get close to you because the waves, they are so big. So I'm going to hit you with my boat. So I'm going to throw you a rope. So he threw me a rope. I go to the boat. The dolphin is still next to me. And as soon as I get to the boat, I get air because I've been there for like 45 minutes to an hour. And then the guy starts screaming at me like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I was like, sir, I'm so tired. I have cramps all of my, my arms and my legs. I said, "Like, yes, but I have a problem in my boat. I said, a problem? What happened? I said, my body is sinking. I said, your body is sinking? I said, yeah, you need to hurry up and get in. Go to the back. There are some steps in there. So I go to the back. Like I said, the dolphin is still next to me. I see the steps. I jump in inside of the boat. As soon as I jump inside of the boat, the water was like this. And I was like, oh, my God, the whole boat is floating. Do you have any bucket? I take the water out. I said, I don't have any bucket. I said, oh, my God, oh, my God. I like, no, come on, sit down. We don't have time for this. We need to get out of here. So sit down. So I sit down. I started checking because it was cold. And then this guy asked me like, OK, are you OK? Yes, I'm fine. What happened to you? I said, a whirlpool of water brought me a riptide. OK, where is your family and friends? Everybody's there. Um, let me ask you a question. Where are you from? I said, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. What about you, sir? I said, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, too. And we're in Florida. And what part? I said, I'm from Duluth. What about you, sir? I'm from North Cross. Duluth and North Cross is in front of each other. I said, and we're neighbors, too. That's crazy. And as soon as I said that, the guy's like, oh, my God, look behind you, look behind you. I was like, what? So when I look back, he grabbed his camera and started filming. I didn't know what he was doing. So when I look back, the dolphin started jumping behind of the boat. And start following us all the way around the island until we get to the bayside. When we get to the bayside, the guy said to me, look, son, um, I cannot stay with you, but you can get here and walk from here to the bayside. But I have to leave right now because I need to fix my boat. But if you want to see me again, every Memorial Day, I'm going to be here, okay? And you can see me here. So I jump off the boat and say, thank you so much. God bless you. And I start walking to the church. There was nobody on that side of the church because everybody run to the other side. So when I was getting to the chore, something hit my leg. And when I looked back, the dolphin was behind me. I was like, what in the world is this dolphin wants with me? So I started walking and crying because it was very overwhelming for me, you know? And when I get to the to the, to the the sand, I just go on my knees and I make a promise right there. I say, you know what, God, this is it for me. If you save me with this dolphin right here, it's because you want something from me. Maybe you have a purpose for my life. I don't know what you want from me, but I'm going to tell you something. From this moment, Carlos died into the ocean. The person who's coming out of the water is going to be you. From this moment, I want you to take over my life, over my soul. And I give you everything I have to you so you can come in because you want Carlos. Okay. Do whatever you want with Carlos. This is it for me. And in that moment, it started lightning and thundering and raining. So I took that as a yes. As soon as that happened, people run from the other side of the island and start running and everybody start hugging me. My friends start crying over me. The police arrive, So they take me back to San St. Andres state park. They put me in the management office. They asked me what happened. I said, what happened? What happened is that you guys have an island and you don't have a red flag that is said that it's dangerous to swim, you know, in that water. You don't have a a sign of uh, what is a rip tie, you know, because if I see that, I will be more careful. And uh, lifesavers. I mean, it's Memorial Day, guys, you know. I mean, so they apologize with me. They cry with me and say, oh, we're going to change all that. We're going to be good and blah, blah, blah. So after that happened, my friends asked me, Carlos, what are you going to do now? I said, like, if you take me to a church, this was a miracle. So the only church close to this this part was called Fatima. So we go to that church. It was a Catholic church. The church was closed, but outside was a chapel, and it was like a cave. So inside of the cave was Virgin Fatima inside. It was full of candles and the three kids' statues outside. The church revealed some secrets of Fatima. So we did a circle from inside and out of this cave, and we all hug each other. Everybody that came from the beach, plus my friends, we hug all each other and we pray for like 20, 30 minutes. When we finish to pray, we hug each other and say, okay, Carlos, everybody asked me, what do you want to do now? I said, could you take me to, to the hotel? I just want to take a shower, to get something to eat and go to sleep. I said, sure. They took me back to the hotel, took my shower, get something to eat. And as soon as I put my head on my pillow, I have an epiphany. I don't know if you heard what is an epiphany. It's an encounter with God, but I never had one, so I didn't know what was happening. So in that moment, I close my eyes, and I see myself on the third floor of a cruise line in the Caribbean. So I'm grabbing the, the handrails, and I look in front of me, and it's a blue sky, blue ocean. Everything is beautiful. But at the end of the ocean, I see a tsunami coming, rising and coming my way. I was like, what? A tsunami? Oh, my God. So I cover my face. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Then somebody come behind me 30 minutes later. and said, Carlos, open your eyes, open your eyes. I "I don't want to open my eyes. And he asked me, like, why? Because we're about to die. And then he said, you're never going to die with me. I said, who are you? He said, look at me, look at me. He said, I don't know, I'm afraid, look at me. So I take my hands out of my face. I look back. And when I look back, this is a tall guy, like 6'5", with a lot of light coming from his face. In my heart, in that moment, I felt was Jesus, because that's what I felt in the moment. And then he said, close your eyes. So I closed my eyes and he hugged me from behind. Ten seconds later, he said, open your eyes. So I opened my eyes and what I see in front of me, I couldn't believe it. I was in heaven. So what I saw was like an infinitive uh, sky with infinitive like a golf course. So millions of people were in this huge garden. So I looked that and I said, oh, my God, this means that I'm dead. Like, no, 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 I cannot die right now. And I looked back and say, you're Jesus, right? Like, Jesus, I cannot die right now. Can you take me back, please? Can you take me back? I like, Carlos, calm down. You're not dying yet, okay? And you make a promise to me, and you need to fulfill that promise. So welcome to heaven. From this moment, you're just going to start walking with me and walking with all of them. From this moment, you're part of me and part of all of them. Do you have any questions? And I said, yes, I have a question. (laughs) Where all these people came from? I said, they're coming from all over the world. I said, okay, and when you come to heaven, what is the true religion in heaven? And he said, in heaven, there is no religion. When you come to heaven, what you're going to find is love. Love is the most powerful force in the universe. And that's what is going to unite the whole humanity again. And now he put his arm over me. I said, let's do a life review. So we start walking in heaven. and He started doing my life review. When he finished, he said, Carlos, it's time to go back and tell people what happened. So he pushed me back. Next day, I wake up. I was like, what was that? <laughs> so like, maybe a dream. I don't know. Anyways, I told my friends what happened. On Monday, I go to work, get to my office. I've been working in my office almost 20 years there. And as soon as I get there, I tell everybody in my office, hey, guys, guess what happened this weekend? A dolphin sent me. And everybody like, you're right. Mm-hmm. And then somebody behind me, I heard like, I believe you. And I look back, it was my boss and said, why do you believe me? And they don't believe me. I said, all of them, they're atheists. I'm a Christian. Number two, I want you to go on your computer and Google how many people die in Florida by riptides. And I Googled it more than 100 people every year die in Florida by riptide. It's a silent killer. And then he said, now Google how many dolphins save humans through history. So I Googled that. A lot of people have been saved by dolphins through history. I didn't know that neither. And then he said, "Now Google what is the meaning of dolphin for Christians And I googled that, and guess what it means. It means dolphin symbolized the hope for eternal life. The dolphin represent Jesus. You can google it. I was like, What this Jesus too? the dolphin okay, this is crazy. I didn't know this, right So that happened on Monday. On Wednesday, my boss sent me to a customer house. Uh, he said like, you need to go to a customer. One of our employees broke a lamp. I said, okay, cool. I'm gonna fix the lamp or buy a new one. So when I get to the customer house here in Atlanta in Stone Mountain, the lady was making some pasta and said like, Carlos, I'm busy right now. could you go to the basement? It's the last room at the end. Turn the light and you will see a global lamp in the corner. So sure. So I go downstairs, go to the last room, turn the light. And as soon as I turn the light, I see a lamp in the corner but next to the land was a huge painting on the wall. Guess what it was? All the scene in heaven with millions of people dressed in white robe, Jesus in the middle, and a dolphin under Jesus. And I was like, what in the world is this? So it was very overwhelming for me. I started crying. So the customer started yelling from upstairs. Like, what happened, Carlos? Are you okay? What happened? So she come downstairs and I said like, man, where in the world do you get this painting from? Like, I was there like this weekend. And you have a kid in your basement. So she said, well, three years ago, a friend of my family came here with a big canvas. And this is the result. He finished the painting. This is for my family. You can take pictures. So I took pictures. That happened on Wednesday. On Thursday, I called my best friend. He said, Carlos, you need to go to church. After I told the story, he said a testimony. I said, are you kidding me? I will never say that story to anyone. People is going to think I'm crazy. You know, like, no, I know. Yeah, dolphins. I mean, me, no. And then my friend, Carlos, if that happened to you, people need to know what's going on. And I said, OK, after an hour, he convinced me and I said, OK, on Sunday, I go to his house. So when Sunday arrived, I went to his house. He lived one hour away from me in Woodstock, Georgia. And when I arrived there, we get breakfast with his wife. And after that, he said, OK, let's go to a church. What church do you want to go? said, so like, it doesn't matter for me because Jesus said there's just love. So whatever church you find. So we Google a church and the closest church to his house was called San Michael the Archangel. So we go to the church, he never been there, I never been there. As soon as we're parking, there's hundreds of cars in the parking lot and there is a celebration. So there's music, there are balloons everywhere. And a lady next to me, I asked, excuse me, man, what's going on here today? she said, well, used to be a little church, but today we're inaugurating a big cathedral. So you guys came at the time of the inauguration. I said, oh, cool. So we saw the whole inauguration. And at the end, I spoke with the priest, with my friends. And the priest said, Do you have a testimony? You can tell at the end of this, the, the mass. Okay, cool. So the end of the mass ends. And I go to the stage with a microphone. I was nervous. I start telling my story of the dolphin. And when I'm in the middle of my story, a 17-year-old girl raised her hand. said, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. I said, yes. I want to ask you a question. Sure. Uh, how Jesus was with you? He was behind me. Uh, how he was dressing with a white white robe where you were in front of him what Jesus was doing he was hugging me from the back why and she said you need to see this I said what are you talking about so she she grabbed her hair she had a black long hair she put the hair in front of her and she turned around and as soon as she turned around she had a printing in the back of the teacher and it was an image of Jesus hugging a guy and it's this image right here Mm. So she asked me, it was like this. I said, yep, yeah, it was exactly like that. So anyways, everybody at church is like, oh my God, you guys planned this. You guys did this. like, no, I don't know her. And I never see that painting before. So I don't know. So after this, I go home and I go to my computer and I Google Jesus hugging a guy. And this image come up and they come out with a story. And this is how my story ends. When I'm looking I found the story about this painting. It was painted in the year 1992. This is a real story. In the year 1992, a famous painting called Thomas Black Chair, he started doing that painting. He started doing fasting for two weeks, not eating, drinking water, and praying, asking God, let me paint the image of Jesus. So two weeks later, he started doing the painting. And in the middle of the painting, the Holy Spirit showed up and said, Thomas, it's a beautiful painting, but now you need to write a book because you need to explain to people every part of that painting. I said, like, what am I going to explain to people? I said, well, in this painting, you have the darkness that we all have. You have uh, the love of Jesus, the, the illumination that we all have. So you need to explain everything in that book. So he wrote the book, and guess what's the name of the book? It's right here. It's called Forgiveness. So in this book, he explained everything about that painting. And guess what? This book is connected with the last message that Jesus gave me in heaven. He said, Carlos, in order for people to continue living in this world, they need to forgive. Three people. They need to forgive. Number one, their parents. Why? It doesn't matter if they hit you. It doesn't matter if they abandoned you. It doesn't matter if they didn't like you. It doesn't matter if they abuse you. They did the best they could to give you the best you have. He said, Jesus said, more than 98% of people around the world have childhood trauma. And we need to fix that. Number two, we need to forgive our inner child because whatever happened in your childhood is not your fault. It's not the babies that you carry inside of you, you know? So it's time to grab that baby and say, you know what? Everything's going to be fine from now on. And don't bury that baby because in our life, we don't want to look back and see what happened to us when we were kids, you know? but it's not our fault. So from that moment, is embrace that kid and let's go. Everything's going to be fine. And number three, to forgive every person that come to your life and harm you in some way. Why? When you forgive your parents, your inner child, and the people that harm you, you're not forgiving them. You're forgiving yourself. In that moment, you open your heart and you throw away all the hate, all the resentment, and all the poison that's been eating you for years inside of you. And that can cause cancer and another sicknesses. And from that moment, Jesus told me, from that moment is when people start living their purpose on earth. Because everybody came here with a purpose. Nobody came here out of the blue. And what is the biggest purpose? And everybody's looking like, oh, what is my purpose? What are my purpose? Very easy. The biggest purpose is called service. What Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, mother Luther King. Princess Diana did service. Why service? Because they left a blueprint in this world. When you die, you don't want to take your house, your Bitcoin, your money, your job, your titles. you do not want to take anything. What you're going to take is how many people you help, how many people you give advice, how many people you get shelter, you get food. What was the message that you left? for people around you, in your community, in your family, in the world. So now I ask you, what are you doing? And everybody that's watching, what are you doing today to leave a blueprint of your life that's going to help this world to be a better world? And that's my story.
0: In the beginning, when you were in the ocean and you heard that voice, do you think that was like an angel or your guide? Or do you think that was also Jesus speaking to you?
1: I believe what Jesus talking to me. That's what I felt in that moment. Yeah, because it was a higher uh, voice. Ah, uh, this is not the first time that I have these experiences. In the past, I have this uh, another experience like uh, near death. That, but this was one of the biggest ones that I had. And I, it's not that I'm looking for this. It just happened out of the blue, you know. And um, I don't know if you know, but when I was 14 years old, it was one of my first experiences. I started feeling bad at school. I didn't want to say anything to my mom because, you know, in the 80s, parents were more strict with, <laughs> with us, right? And uh, I was studying a Catholic school, and Catholic school was very, very strict. And if I say something to my mom that I feel bad, she's going to think I'm, I don't want to go to school. Mm-hmm. So I said, like, I better sip it up and don't say anything, and this is going to pass. Well, week after week, I was getting worse and worse and worse on one day that I was at the bus stop going to school, I started feeling really bad and I passed out. So when I came up again, I was like, oh my God, something is gonna happen to me. And I have to tell my mom tonight that uh, something is going on. I was very afraid to say something to my mom because my mom was, like I said, very strict. And I said, you know what, tonight I tell him. So when she came out of work, I said, mom, we need to talk. And this is serious. Something is going on with me. I don't know what happened, but we need to go to a doctor. And she said, what happened? What happened? So, well, I, I feel really bad. I don't know what's going on. To make this story short, we went to 10 doctors, all the doctors. They didn't know what it was, but the last three doctors said, you need to go to a specialist on blood to see something going on with the blood. So we went to hematologist. When we went to this hematologist, hematologist was the best hematologist in the city. And then he took an exam a test from my finger. He go laboratory, come back. I said, no, this 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 doesn't convince me. Let me go to your arm. So he take blood from my arm, go back. I said like, oh, no, let's do the last one. So he's go with my mom and dad talk on the side with them. And I said, okay, Carlos, I need you to go to my office. I'm gonna put you five shots in your back. I said, okay, I didn't know what was happening, right? So he put five shots in, in my bag and said, okay, go in the little bed that I have in my office. I said, okay. So I go in the bed, wait 15 minutes. I'll be back with two nurses. It's going to be quick. It's another test. So he come back with the nurses and then he say, okay, I want you to face the wall, take your shirts off and everything. And I su- as soon as I take my mm-hmm. shirt off, he grabbed a cotton with alcohol and he started rubbing my back with alcohol. I said, what is he going to do? After that, I heard a drill, like the dentist, and he started drilling my back. I was like, oh, my God, doctor, what are you doing? I said, like, Carlos, don't move, please. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Please calm down. Everything's going to be fine. This is going to be quick. So he drilled my back, and he was doing a, a bone marrow uh, biopsy. But I didn't know. Anyways, He finished. He put a alcohol again with a rubber band, and then he put a, he put a uh, how do you call that, um, a rubber band there. Band-Aid? Band-Aid, yes, he put a Band-Aid. And then as soon as he did that, he said, okay, just wait with your mom and dad. I said, sure. So I go, I'm waiting with my mom and dad, like 45 minutes to an hour later, he come back and said, guys, I want you to go to my office. I have to give you the news. What, what's going on with you, Carlos? I said, okay, cool. We go into to the office. I'm standing in the back. My mom and my dad, they're sitting in front of the desk of the doctor. The doctor come in and sit down. And then the doctor come with a with a glass with some kind of crystal liquid inside and some like a red cotton. And he said, this is the biopsy of the bone marrow. And I have bad news for you, Carlos. So he looked at me and said, what happened? I said, like, you have three months. I said, three months for what? I said, three months to leave. I said, like, what? No. I said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you guys came too late. You have a terminal illness that's called leukemia. And there is nothing else that I can do. You guys came too late. And this is what I I can say. You have three more months to live. So in that moment, my dad... They start crying. My mom started crying. I'm chugging the back. But as soon as I'm chugged, I heard this voice inside of me that said, he don't have the last word I had. I was like, what was that? But like I said, I didn't want to say anything to my mom because she's going to think I'm making fun of this. And she's going to slap me on my face. So I said, like, okay, I don't want to say anything. But I feel peace in that moment. Then my mom started start. Yelling to the doctor, you're going to save my son. You're going to save my son. The doctor, I'm sorry, lady, you came too late. There is nothing else that I can do. I'm the best on this here in the city. And there is no way in the world that we can save your son. After an hour, then my mom grabbed the doctor. You have sons and daughters. You will do anything in the world to save your sons and daughters. Tell me that is something that you can do with my son. So the doctor said, OK, OK, OK. Sit down, lady. Um, I have two options. I said, OK, what's your option? Number one, we can travel to Houston, Texas. And do a bone marrow transplant and that could save his life so my mom said like okay and how much is that gonna cost i said well it's very expensive maybe you're gonna have to sell your house your cars and everything you have to pay for this surgery and my mom said what is the probability that he survived that I said, well it's gonna be like 50 50 chance because we don't know if the new bone marrow is gonna get into his body you know and my mom said like, so you're telling me that I'm gonna lose everything plus my son? No, I don't want that option. What is the second option? The second option is going to Paris and France and I'm developing another medicine with other doctors. And if you bring that, uh, I can start giving the treatment and that can hit the bone marrow and maybe he can start reacting. I so, okay, cool. So my mom used to work at the Air Force. So one of her coworkers went to France, get the formula. Bring it to me, and I start drinking the pills. I think it was a kind of a chemotherapy and pills. And after the first month taking this, um, nothing happened. I was connected with an IV uh, with a cocktail of medicines too, and drinking this pill. And after a month, nothing. So my mom started crying like, "Oh my God, you're gonna die." My dad, same way, I I start asking God, like, what is this happening to me? I I didn't do anything wrong. Like, what's going on? Anyways, after the last visit we did to the doctor in that month, I go to my house and I have an idea. I said, Mom, and I have an idea. Why we don't call one of my uncles, that he's a real estate investor and he he gets millions of dollars. Why we don't call him and get the money to get the surgery? And my mom said don't even go there okay i don't want you to call your uncle but mom is my life no nope. okay but guess what i'm thinking all night i'm gonna die, I'm gonna die but wait a minute it's my life it's not her life i'm gonna call my uncle <laughs> so when my mom went to work i grabbed the phone i called my doctor i mean my my uncle without my mom permission right so i spoke with my uncle hey uncle it's carlos you know this is going on um I need your help. And I tell the whole story. And when I finish, he said, Carlos, I'm sorry, but I cannot help you. And he hung up the phone. So my mom was right. So in that moment was when the miracle happened. I I started crying. I said, okay, well, I guess I'm going to die. So I started crying and I go to the floor on my knees and I said, okay. And then I started hitting heat all over my body. I said, what is this? And then something came to my mind. I said, remember that it's a God that can help people if you pray with all your heart even have saved another people i'm not the only one so i stand up and say okay god let's do a deal right here if you save me right here from this cancer i promise that i'm going to tell everyone that don't believe in you that you're real because you saved me i'm going to be a living proof you know and from that day i start praying and praying and praying and i start doing nobody told me this at that time no i never heard about this but i start visualizing my future that I get a job, I bought a house and everything, right? So after a month, I start feeling better and better. After three months, the treatment ends and I have to go back to the hospital. And as soon as I, I get to the hospital, the doctor put me on the CT scan. So they put me in the machine, the CT scan. When the CT scan get out, uh, he get the results later. He calls to the office and he said, I don't know what happened, but everything disappeared. So my mom is like, wow, this is a miracle, doctor. I'm so happy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But the doctor had a bulldog face. I was like, what's going on with the doctor? Why do you have that face, doctor? I said, well, we don't believe in miracles in medicine. But we have patients with the same thing in the past. This is called remission. Remission is when the cancer disappears and then come back aggressively. And my mom, no, doctor, this cannot be. And in that moment, I heard the voice inside of me saying, Carlos, don't worry, this will not happen to you again. And from that day until today, I've been healed. So, yeah, that was one of my first experiences with God.
0: That's amazing. Between that illness and your NDE in the ocean, were you still telling the world about your cancer illness, or is it possible that you kind of stopped and so... You had another incident that kind of, you know, brought you back to preaching, again, not preaching, but telling the world your story again.
1: OK, remember, I was a kid. I was 14 years old. Mm. So who kid is going to be preaching on the streets telling this story? Nobody. Right. So, of course, I didn't say anything to anyone. So I was I, I like I told God in that moment, I wasn't making my work, you know, like I said to him. And I think and I believe that's why this the NDE came to remind me that I have a promise that I have to fulfill. So after my incident, the the only place that I was going was people that have cancers. So if I go to a hospital to visit a, a, a family member or a friend, I will tell my story. So they get encouraged and do what I did. So I was telling the whole thing. And uh, mostly that uh, my mom um, I with cancer in in 1999. 1999. I told him what I did, but my mom wasn't that religious at that point. But uh, I think it was a second red flag for me to tell this to the world. And this time, it was so impactful in my life that I said, okay, I need to go out and tell my story to the world, you know, because if this happened to me, people need to know.
0: After the NDE in the ocean, mm-hmm. in what other ways have you changed your life?
1: Well, after my NDE, one of the things that happened to me in my life is I'm not afraid to die anymore. So all that disappeared. Um, another thing that I feel after my NDE is to be the best version of myself I'm help everyone around me, in my family, my friends um i believe after my NDE is to leave my blueprint you know because i understood everything about love like what i was listening from childhood to now about love and love is the answer and all that that i I didn't believe in that now is in my heart it's encrypted in my heart and what is the better thing that i can do show the world if this happened to me i'm a manifestation of this you know So yeah, my life changed immensely and I stopped watching TV. So after my NDE, I stayed two years on the weekends that I was off from work, traveling to waterfalls. So I was a waterfall chaser and I stayed in contact with nature. Why? Something in my heart was telling me when you are with nature, you are in contact with the creator, you're in contact with God. So I used to go to the ocean, to the beach and all that. But uh, I stopped watching TV. Because TV gives you too much fear and stuff. So I didn't want to be connected to that. And uh, helping people. I think that was the best. Uh, I like to cook too. So I used to call friends, hey, let's make a meal, let's connect. And um, after the pandemic, everybody disconnect. And it's really hard for a lot of people to reconnect again. So the way that I'm doing with my family and and friends is making some gatherings with food. I I cook a lot too. and people love my food, so that's the way that I connect with people. And I, I tell my story, my stories too. But yeah, that's how I change.
0: After either the first or the second one, mm-hmm. did you recognize that you had any new abilities that you didn't have before that could be considered psychic?
1: Well, what happened after my, and this was just before. This was before my 14 years old. When I was like six or seven years old, our neighbors next door were um, Mormons, a religion Mormon. And they used to invite us to a lot of field trips. And I remember that uh, that day that um, the Mormons came to my door and asked my mom, hey, can we take Carlos to the beach? And my mom said, Carlos, you want to go? I said, sure. Okay, next morning at 7 a.m., sure. So the next morning, when the neighbors come to my to my house, I heard the bus. There were two buses, one for the the girls and one for the boys. So my mom, Carlos, the bus is here. Come on, let's get out. Come, come on, come on. Everybody's waiting for you. And I was sleeping. So my mom come to my room, opened the doors, and like, Carlos, come on, are you coming or not? Don't leave, leave these people waiting. And I think that was one of my first big experience. Six years old, I felt something really big. And and this, I believe, was my guardian angel. <laughs> It was something huge pushing me on my bed, but I couldn't see it. It was like uh Jokosuna, like a huge giant pushing me on my bed. So I was pushing down on my bed. I was like, Mom, help me. There is something on, on me. But she thought I was joking, like I was like, messing up. It's like mom, please. And she's like, No, you don't want to go nowhere. So she closed the door of my room. She go with my neighbor and she said, I'm sorry, Carlos is not going. Don't worry, just go to yourself with everybody else. So the neighbor said, Look, my phone. Uh, it's not working, I don't know what, how, what happened in my house, can I receive uh, the calls in your house from the parents? And my mom said, sure, yeah, yeah, it's okay. So the whole day, my mom is cleaning the house, she's cooking, I'm in my room watching cartoons, and around 14, the phone rings in the living room. So my mom grabbed the phone, I'm in my room, and uh, my mom's like, what, what happened? So my mom said, Carlos, I'm going to go to the neighbor's house uh, the fire department wants to talk to her. I don't know what happened. Okay, mom. So she go to the neighbor's house. When the neighbor come back, and she grabbed the phone. She said, "Yeah, yeah, what happened?" I said, "Well, we're calling because the boss, the kids' boss, the, the, where the kids gonna go? Like instead of the girls, the, the boys have an accident, and most of the kids dying on that accident. Mm-hmm. So from that day, it was a really, it really hit me." Because I supposed to be on that bus, you know? So from that day, I started asking me, like, why I was, wasn't in that bus, you know? And after that, incidents and accidents when I was a kid, uh, car accidents with another family member in the car, and I never have a scratch at all. Like, people were hurt, I nothing. And I was like, what's going on with me? When the dolphin story happened, and I was like, so I cannot die? Like, what's going on? Like, I want to be like everybody else, you know? And um, I always, if I'm going to a place that is dangerous, what starts happening to me, my heart, even if I don't know, I go to a party, I go to a trip, if my heart starts beating really fast, I just said, you know what? I'm not going. So this is a signal that I don't know how my heart knows, but it start like, like it's about to explode. And as soon as I said, I'm not going, the heart stopped. So this is one of the things that happened to me after the near death. So I I listened to my heart. And I think that the heart is the GPS that's going to get you through your life. There is a really good movie. It's called The Power of the Heart. Watch it. it's, it's, It's talking about how the heart have that sixth sense that can tell you what could happen in the future. Don't ask me how, but this is how I feel.
0: Has the memory of the experience in the ocean faded over time?
1: No. It's still fresh, and it took me, it took me like three years because I fight for three years to tell this story. I didn't want to tell this story. So a lot of miracles started happening in front of me. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to tell my story to nobody because you know how many haters are out there. I don't want to confront these people. No, 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 no. So God started manifesting miracles in front of me and in front of people. So people was watching. And I was like, oh, Lord, like, please don't look, don't tell me to do this. But of course, I have the promise that I have to tell this story. And after three years, believe me, I run, I hide, I cry. I did everything I could. I was like, okay, I cannot escape from you. What do you want? And I heard, I want a book. I'm not a writer. <laughs> I don't have time to do a book. I don't have the money to write this book. Like, How in the world? I want the book. Okay. Okay, let's do something. If you want this book, you need to put in my life the people that's going to do this possible. And guess what? Little by little, the publisher show up, the money show up, everything starts showing up in my life. And little by little, I, I when I start doing this book because the book is just a hope for people to live through my experience and another experience that I tell there They have 70 chapters mm-hmm. and I tell people about what's, what, what changed my life another thing that happened to me and I tell to the book I have people that uh, try to commit suicide and they always call me and I say, "Why do you call me? what do you call your mom or dad? you're going to call me? you're going to put this on me? anyways, I put on my book the five steps that I tell people that call me at 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning with a gun in their mouth saying they're going to commit suicide because they don't have money to pay the rent or they were fired from work or they have a terminal illness. So thanks God these people are still alive. And I want to share that with the world. And that's why I went to my publisher and said, I have to put this here because if it's happened to me, it's for a reason. So I want people to learn just in case it happened to you. you
0: When you're in heaven... Did heaven seem more real than here and living here is the dream?
1: It looks really real for me. Um the people that was in heaven was blowing blowing. Um but if yeah, it feels like I was uh like on a 3D, I don't know, it feels yeah, more vivid. Yeah, it feels vivid. That's how I feel it. Yeah.
0: Now the name of your book is Help from Heaven. Miracles Happen When You Believe.
1: Yeah, it's right here. HellproneHeaven. Heaven. books happen with Believe
0: If someone wants to get that book, do they get it on Amazon or your website?
1: You can go to my website, www.hellproneheaven.org, or you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book a Millions, Walmart, and you can get it there.
0: All right. Do you have anything else that you're working on that you want people to know about?
1: Yeah, I'm working in two books right now. Uh, the number one book is called uh, Divine Miracles is a compilation of miracles that happen in my life. And I, I want to share it with the world um, because I don't want to die with this inside of my heart. You know, and another thing that I'm doing with my books is I want my experience to be interactive. So I want to put the places that it happens so that people can go there and ask questions too. like, hey, Carlos was here and this happened, you know, because it happened in front of people and in places public places so i want you to live the experience to go there and my second book is called i found jesus in vegas is a real miracle that happened in vegas when i was with the walking on the streets with a homeless so people show up there i mean jesus show up there couldn't believe it i know it sounds amazing but it changed it wow it was i have to share that and i have to do that book too
0: if someone wants to reach out to you, are you open to that? And if so, how should they reach you?
1: You can reach me through my webpage, www.helpfromheaven.org. So you have the email on my page and you can uh, you can send me an email there. Um, since a month ago that another channel interviewed me, sixty more than 60,000 people saw me there. I received a lot of emails there. So be patient. I will respond but give me time because I work full time in a company too I work for three franchises I go to events on weekends and writing in two books right now <laughs> so I have a lot on my plate I have to wake up every day at 4 a.m I go to sleep at midnight 1 a.m so I barely sleep a day because I have too much going on but yeah you can reach me at www.helpfromheaven.org.
0: well before we finish up can you leave us with one last positive message
1: one positive message will be Do good to everyone. It doesn't matter if people treat you bad. You know, since we're born, we're born kindly. We're born good people. And give your light to others. Uh, Give your heart to others. Be an example for others, for your family, for your kids, for your community. So, like, I don't know who said that, but I heard, like, be the light that you want to see in the world, you know? So be the light, that bright to others and be hope for others. You know, you are here for a reason and we need you here.
0: Carlos, thank you for your message. And thank you again for being my guest. When you get that second book published, please contact me so we can bring you back and talk about it.
1: Sure. Well, thank you so much, Jeffrey, for inviting me to your program. I really have a good time. I feel like we were just drinking coffee in a cafeteria two friends. So I really enjoy to be in your program. Thank
0: Thank you and God bless you. Thank you and God bless you.